Honey Hush is a podcast by a Southern businesswoman who knows a thing or two about using honey to attract the bees. Every week, Elizabeth will discuss up-and-coming and established leaders alike how to win influence with one simple strategy, kindness. Whether you're a successful entrepreneur or still in the dream phase, Honey Hush will teach you that the sweeter the honey, the more bees you'll attract. Community is always more fun than competition. Today's interview is with one of my dear friends, Shelly Cresswell Walker. We've known each other for almost 16 years, but the way we met and who she is today could not be more completely different. Today, she is the CEO to the Delta Lodging Group. She is wife to JP Walker. She has a 16-year-old daughter named Caitlin, an 11-year-old son named Finn, and guys, just connecting all the dots like it's going to take just a second to get through this interview because I had to ask all the questions she just her wisdom blows my mind I mean she's the perfect way to kick off interviews for season two because what she does is she has this uncanny ability to take what most people would see as roadblocks and she turns them into building blocks and I'm going to go ahead and fair warn you, you may want to adjust your volume here in just a second. The recording device that I used for our interview was not the best. I tried to make some adjusting on, you know, the audio engineering part of it. But, you know, just turn it up on the volume and just lean into what she has to say. Because she's one of those people that has old soul wisdom that just, I mean, resonates, I mean, from the beginning to the end. I'm so excited for you guys to meet Shelly. Hi, y'all. Made in the South is custom artwork created by Katherine Ann Davis. Her artwork is inspired by the people, the places, the traditions, all that shape our life, as well as the colorful people in her life and Southern sayings. Based in Starkville, Mississippi, they combine the love for art, the outdoors, and the South to produce hand-printed pillows, apparel, prints, and custom paintings. You can often find me sporting my Mississippi Queen t-shirt. Not only are her creations unique, but they literally take you back to a much slower time of life that's going to have you feeling nostalgic almost instantly. My personal favorite pieces are the birth announcements that she creates for children. Truly heirloom quality. You can find her on Instagram at HiYallCatCat, as well as shop with her at www.HiYall.com. Shelly and I met in the epitome of new mom community. It's called MOPS. For those of you who are not familiar with MOPS, it stands for Moms of Preschoolers. This organization literally saved the lives of both Shelly and I in 2005 as we both made some serious lucrative career changes and left our careers to become stay-at-home moms. The kindness of the leaders of that mommy meetup organization was exactly what we needed at that exact time. I don't know if they are just trained to identify those really lost moms like Shelly and I, but they believe that that remarkable things happen when moms come together, and I just couldn't agree more. So, Shelly, you're here with me. You and I were at, you know, we were the worst fish out of water probably they've ever seen, <laughs> and I think that they must have just recognized that panic that we had in our faces because you and I, we recognized that panic in each other's face because that was our, that was that very first meeting that created a bond for you and I that still holds today, even though our two babies are now 15 years old. So welcome to Honey Hush, Shelly. Thank you so much. So there may not be anything more Southern than a girl raised on a farm in the Delta with ambitions of congressional goals in her eyes. 
you have come just a really long way since our days of diapers and Cheerios. Now your everyday life involves you being the CEO of a hotel company. So can you give us a brief rundown of what that looks like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, it's interesting. I love the introduction about the farm in the Delta. It, it definitely speaks to who I am, and it's funny that you asked the question about give us the brief and the rundown of being the CEO every day. Uh, my my boss, who is the board of directors for Delta Lodging Group, who I work with um, as a close mm-hmm. colleague every day, he asked me one day, he said, did you ever think that you would be the CEO of a company? <laughs> and I answered him, yes. I, I definitely always saw myself not necessarily as a CEO, but a, a leader. I saw mm-hmm. myself as a leader at a, at a young mm-hmm. age, and it has just meant so much to me to come back to the region that I grew up in that I never thought I would move back to and to be able to give back based on the skills that I've learned through the years. And so it's, you know, it's it's time intensive, definitely. We've managed Mm -hmm. 12 hotels across the Mississippi Delta, but it's more about the hospitality industry and tourism. It's about contributing to the economy of a rural region and driving an economic impact across this area where jobs are very few Mm -hmm. and getting to work for a company where I have the leadership to employ 250 people across an impoverished area. So that has really been the bigger picture of what I do every day. That is incredible. And I agree. I've never known you to not have leadership positions. It's one of those things probably when they handed that title to you, you're like, yep, thank you. Next. You know, you've always had it in your mind. <laughs> definitely. So definitely. Let's, let's start talking about your earliest motivations because I think you've probably been this way your whole life, you know. So Let's talk about your earliest motivations that involved intentional growth and see if we can follow that roadmap to you working for one of Donald Trump's companies. And then, you know, if you want to talk about it, you know, eventually running for Senate. So definitely. While at Mississippi State, you were in a sorority, Zeta Tall Alpha, correct? That is correct. Okay. Did you hold any office with them in your time at Mississippi State? I did. Uh, You know, back in the day, we were were considered the less chairman, but today it's called membership coordinator, but I was actually over all the recruitment of new members and and maintaining the membership that we had in the sorority. Makes sense. So do you still have any affiliations with Zeta Tall Alpha Mm -hmm. now? I do. You know, I no longer live in the Starkville area where I I once was after college graduation. I did serve as the alumni president for the first couple of years out of college. I was you know, involved with the new professionals award that I received the first couple of years being involved with the alumni group. And I also traveled nationwide for Zeta Tall Alpha. I worked for the national office as a leadership consultant for a year and traveled around the United States helping other Zeta Tall Alpha chapters. And even though I'm remote and I do not live in Starkville anymore, I'm still a member um, you know, and pay alumni dues and keep up through virtual meetings and emails. So I'm still very involved. Heck yeah. So what would you say to a girl or even a mom who's listening that has a little girl, you know, that's considering the sorority option at her, at her university? Would you say that was like a good example of community that you would um, recommend? I definitely would. My my intention with the sorority or what I would tell any mother that was thinking about whether or not their daughter should be the member of a sorority. You know, you hear so many things out there about negative things with sororities and them, you know, being too social and, and things like that. But this is what I've learned from being in a sorority. If you get into a sorority 
and you get involved in the reason that sororities were created and you take advantage of the leadership opportunities that are there, the community service activities that are there, and get involved in the academic side and what the sororities foster and what they're all about, and you stay out of the negative things, then you can get the most out of your experience. That's what sororities were intended for. Now, there are a lot of people that, you know, they get in them, and that's not what they utilize it for. But if you get in it and you take advantage of all the tools and the resources and the sisterhood and the people that are there Mm -hmm. to mentor you and support you, it can create skills, networking opportunities, and social skills that they do not teach in the classroom in college. I love that. See, I'm kind of jealous. I did not participate in the Greek system, so I love hearing this from those that did um, because I don't have that perspective, so I love it. Um, Upon graduation, you did secure a job at Mississippi State. Um, What did you actually get your degree in and from state, and then is that what you then got a job with there, or what was the next step after you uh, traveled with data for a little bit? What did you do for state? Well, I have definitely, you know, I think part of leadership is also trusting the process and trusting when opportunities and doors open and people give you an an opportunity to try something new and outside of the box. I would definitely say that that has been my career path. I have have trusted, even when I've ended up in different industries that were very different from my original career path, my master's degree is in student affairs and higher education. My first original long-term goal was that I wanted to one day be the director of housing and residence life at Mississippi State University. I can totally see that, yes. Yeah. And um, I wanted to be over all of campus housing, and, and I actually did start out in that industry. I worked as a residence director and then as a marketing and public relations coordinator right out of my graduate degree. So I did start out in, in that industry. So, but let's get to what very quickly and abruptly (laughs) took that away from you. So things change. Things change. And it wasn't anything you had any plans for because, you know, you got put on bed rest after you got pregnant. And just in, you know, typical chilly fashion, you thought, hey, this will just be for a second. We'll get past this. We'll move on. We'll get back to the plan. But what ended up happening is you gave birth very prematurely to a little girl. And you were told that her best bet was for you to stay home with her. Talk to me about those emotions, because there's emotions as a new mom, but there's also the emotions of giving up a dream that you thought you had to pursue a new dream that you didn't know you wanted. You're you're exactly right. You know, we we can plan and plan our life, but things can happen at any time, and curveballs can definitely come at you at any time, and it's a matter of how we respond those curveballs and those things that at the time we think are roadblocks when they come into our life. And I was in my career. I was on the path. I was already working in the housing and residence life department. I was working directly under the director and learning from her, which is still a huge mentor to me today. And I was on that pipeline. Everything was going well, newly married, second first child, and about six months expecting I began to have some problems, ended up on bed rest, ended up several hospital visits. And about on the second or third hospital visit, I had already started 
having contractions. And at that point, my doctor just admitted to me that he really didn't know what was going on, but that he was not set up in Starkville, Mississippi, to accommodate someone that was only 28 weeks pregnant. And he put me on an ambulance to University Medical Center in Jackson. I was there on bed rest for three more days being monitored. I don't really remember a lot about those three days. I do remember that I probably had about three or four pastors pray over my bed with me and my family. We had people coming from all over the state to visit us, praying over us. And I was there long enough to get the steroid shots in for the baby's lungs. And then in an emergency C-section where I was put to sleep, they then um, took my daughter at 28 weeks, and she was two pounds and four ounces. And we then stayed in the University Medical Center NICU for the next three months. Oh, gosh. And so that kind of inserts where you and I met. Because even hearing you retell that story, um, I remember the day that I met you at that mock meeting, and I had Parker with me, and, I mean, he was like, six weeks old or something and and I saw you come in with Caitlin and I remember thinking like I think that lady just had her baby like two minutes ago and came to the mom right. meeting you know and yet you're like oh no girl she's I, mean, I can't remember how old she was and you're like no she's like four months old and I'm like really okay <laughs> you know because she's so tiny yeah she was so tiny I remember on her first birthday she was five pounds her birth weight so on her first birthday she weighed 10 pounds crazy so they willfully left the marketplace whereas you had been told to leave and both of us were there and we were happy and it was good neither one of us were you know animosity about anything but we're both we were making a choice to put something good aside for something that we knew was going to be better and but what that did not make easy for each I mean just it was just hard for both of us, and I think that's where we connected. It required both of us to be honest with each other and literally verbalizing the needs that you and I had during the day while our husbands were at work. Like, we literally took turns watching each other's babies so that we could go to the grocery <laughs> store or have a doctor's appointment, and we cooked dinners in bulk to trade with one another. And we made sure that one of us did not skip out on those important mock meetings. Like we knew how important that was. It just felt less lonely knowing somebody who was in the same headspace was in the same boat with me. And we encouraged each other to see this time. It was just a season, a very important season, but one that needed our full attention until it was made clear to move to the next adventure. <laughs> and That's so correct. For me, I go back and I think those days of truth and accountability that I had with you were something that I'm never going to take for granted. What kind of memories do you have of that time? I remember being really scared. I felt like I didn't fit into the group at first because, like most of the mothers in there, they had planned to stay at home. They had they had planned. They felt that that's the direction they were led in, and they were very confident in that decision. It was abruptly put on me. It was a decision that, to this day, I, I will never regret. I know that Caitlin is the happy, healthy intelligent, smart 15-year-old that she is today, but because of those moments, and I now see that that was the plan for me to step back and really evaluate things within my own career, myself personally, to build relationships with people that I may not have met otherwise if I had remained in the marketplace, and it helped me to really diversify 
my friendship group. And, and what I learned out of that is it's best to have people as friends that are not always like you, that uh-huh. are going to hold yes. you accountable, yes. that are going to be truthful to you and your priorities may get out of control. You know, I can remember some of the conversations we had where I was so focused on being upset about not being in the marketplace and how abrupt that was for me. It was hard for me to see the moment of peace that in knowing that my daughter was being taken care of by me and not a nurse coming in to regulate her oxygen treatment or, right. or anything else. And I think it just takes diverse friends that have different goals and expectations and backgrounds to sometimes bring life to things in our life that we may not see at that time if we were only around like-minded people. Girl, this is why I love you. You're so wise. You're so wise. (laughs) Um, But having a premature baby, of course, made you nervous, get it, but it didn't stop you from having another child. And you, later on, uh, about four years later, you had a perfectly healthy little boy, Finn. And so by this time, Caitlin was completely healthy Mm -hmm. as well. And this is about the time that you did get back into full-time work, correct? I did. I always thought I would go back to Mississippi State University where I had left off and even applied for some positions there trying to get back on that track. But apparently that was not the plan for me. I can remember getting interviewed at Mississippi State for some similar positions. And one day I was in the grocery store with Caitlin and received a really strange anonymous phone number came up on my, my cell phone and I answered it. And it was a lady from Georgia Pacific Corporation out of Atlanta. Uh-huh. Well, you know, Atlanta is the big city. So I just never in a million years understood why this person was calling me. She went on to tell me who she was and that she worked for Georgia Pacific Corporation out of Atlanta and that my resume had been sent to her by a local community contact. And she saw that I had training background as far as investing in college students and their leadership skills, and she wanted to know if I had ever thought about working in the manufacturing industry and training supervisors and industrial workers how to communicate more effectively and to be better managers and supervisors. Wow, kind of out of left field. <laughs> it was very out of left field, but you know, I thought, well, I'm really not sure about this, so I. I called and I consulted my dad. He mentioned earlier about, you know, just beginning stages of leadership. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of my leadership skills from my dad. He was a business owner. He ran, you know, six to seven small businesses when I was growing up in the farming industry, and he was a single parent most of my life. So I was raised pretty much my entire life watching Mm -hmm. a businessman. Yeah. And that is where I get a lot of my skills. And I remember calling him and I was like, Dad, I, I thought I wanted to go back to work at Mississippi State. That's what I went to college to do for six years. But this company has called me and they want to know if I, I want to work in a plywood plant. And um, he said, well, Shelly, you know, I want you to think about that a minute. He said, most people with a college education and being in a sorority wouldn't necessarily be able to make an impact in a plywood plant for Georgia Pacific, but he said, you've been raised around me, you've been raised on the farm, you've been raised around industry your whole life, but yet you've gone and gotten the education to do this, and you may actually be able to sort of go back to your roots and make a large impact across this company with these people. And so he helped me to see that I really was being called and led to use my skills and to be relatable to these people because I had actually been raised in industry. 
And so for people that don't really know what the Delta is, and we're referring to her, you know, coming from the Delta and being raised there, um, the Delta is it's a flat farming area in the northwest part of the state. So eventually that part of the state did call you back home. It was calling you pretty loud, and you decided to take a really fun dream job building the community of Greenwood. So tell me about that, because I this, this is where I remember being kind of jealous that you were brave enough to move and pursue something so great, because maybe it wasn't Georgia-Pacific, but it was great in a different way. Tell me a little bit about what was happening in, in Greenwood and what got you back home. Definitely. Um, it is sort of connected to my background with Georgia-Pacific. During 2009, my dream job in corporate America came to an abrupt end. Uh, the plant there, um, the plywood plant, the corporate office came in during the economic downturn, and they basically shut the entire plant down and gave it the 60- to 90-day notice. And, you know, I was only 29 years old at the time that this happened, and I can just remember calling my dad again for business advice, and I told him what happened, and, and I said, Dad, you know, all these people are being laid off. They've been here for years. They've built their livelihoods here, and, and now these jobs are going away, including my own. You know, this is terrible. And, and he made the point. He said, Shelly, you know, I hate that you were having to go through this, but it's a great lesson to learn at a young age. And he said, welcome to corporate America. Right. And I think back on that conversation all the time, and, and what led me to come back to the Delta is after going through that experience and seeing how that impacted so many people, including myself, I knew I wanted to be a part of building things up and developing the economy versus being a part of it falling apart and people getting laid off, right? So I thought, well, what better place to do that than to go back to my home region and start building and developing the economy there? And so I really had a strong passion to do that. And I literally loaded up my car to U-Haul and my family, and I came to Greenwood, Mississippi, which is an hour and a half from where I grew up. And I started over not really knowing where my life would end up or what impact I truly would have. I, I just trusted that I was meant to be here. So at what point, though, were you made aware that Donald Trump was building hotels in your area? I mean – how in the world did you land a job as the vice president and direction, director of operations with Donald Trump? I mean, come on, fill me yeah, in on that in, one. in the Mississippi Delta, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, basically, I, I did come home and I began to work in an economic development type role. I became the tourism director of Greenwood, Mississippi, and I was in that role for a year. And, uh, you know, you're meant to meet certain people. I, I had a board of directors, and I started getting involved with different people in the community, and that was when I met hotelier Suresh Chawa. Suresh and his brother Dinesh had been in the hotel business with their parents for 30-plus years and had relocated and moved to the Mississippi Delta on a similar whim. They had heard that the Delta would be a great place to prosper and and raise their family and make a difference and build a business here. So they literally just showed up in the Delta, a lot like how I came back home and started building this hotel company with one small hotel in Greenwood, Mississippi. Fast track um, to current days, they now you know own and operate 17 hotels across the Mississippi Delta and literally started here with hardly um, any 
financial stability. They started from scratch, and they it was real strange how the Donald Trump thing came to to peace. So mm-hmm. I then ended up work, working for them and started developing hotels because I wanted to employ people across the Delta. And I knew they employed people in several Delta cities. And they were talking about developing more hotels. And I thought, well, with my tourism background and my manufacturing background, what better person to manage construction projects of a hotel in the hospitality industry than myself? Right. So, you know, I started building that relationship. Well, a year into the project that I was assigned to in Cleveland, Mississippi. It was called the Lyric Hotel and Spa at the time. It's a huge, huge property. And with, you know, several hotels and and also eating venues on it and an entertainment district with an amphitheater. And I thought, wow, this could really be impactful for the Delta. So I went to work for them and started managing um, the whole operations side to that project. And about a year into it, I was called into the office by both brothers and they sort of told me the history of how their dad had met Donald Trump in their early years of the hotel industry. Mm-hmm. And the story that they tell was when Dr. Chawla, the father, when he moved here, he was not able to secure a bank loan. People in the Mississippi Delta did not know him. They did not know his family, and they mm-hmm. did not know if, if they were going to be able to help him with a small business loan. And so. Dr. Chawla didn't want to give up on that dream, so one day he was at work in the convenience store that they were owning and operating at the time, and he said, you know what, Donald Trump is in the hotel industry. I wonder if he could help me out. And he actually had the courage to call Donald Trump himself, and Donald Trump called him back. And he answered the phone in his convenience store. And he told Donald Trump about his vision to build this small hotel in the Mississippi Delta. And Donald Trump told him that that was small fry for him, that he really didn't get involved in those type of hotel projects. But he encouraged Dr. Chawla to apply for a minority small business loan. And Dr. Chawla did. Mm-hmm. And now, years later, they employ. 250-plus people across the Mississippi Delta with 17 hotels, all because of Donald Trump. So when Trump, yeah, so when Trump was campaigning in the, the first election, they wanted to start a new hotel brand that related to everyday Americans and their travel experience. You know, they're, they're mainly in the higher-end hotel industry, uh-huh. hotels, and they made the connection and discovered who Suresh and Dinesh were and learned about their story and about their father. And it touched the brothers, the Trump brothers, so much that they reached out to the two brothers and told them that they wanted them to be the franchisees of the new Scion Hotel brand and the American Idea brand, which were going to be four-star and three-star hotels. And we were actually going to own and operate the very first one in the world right here in the Mississippi Delta. And that is then when I went to work and started training with the Trump team in Chicago and Doral. 
where two of their resorts are. So I went there and started mm-hmm. going through the training in order to prepare for those projects. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that's the American <laughs> dream right there. I mean, it really is. I mean, and what a big jump to, um, to go from, you know, now mm-hmm. working with and for Donald Trump to, you know, where you started with around-the-clock feedings, syringe feedings, nonetheless, to your two-pound little baby 15 years ago. Exactly. How in the world did you stay motivated that entire time to remain true to your personal aspirations during all those times that it looked nothing like today? And did you ever have days of doubt or discouragement, which seems like a rhetorical question? Of course you did. But, <laughs> but like, how did you have the foresight to stay, like, just to stay um, one foot in front of the other? Well, like I said, I knew all along from a young age I wanted to be a part of developing things and having an an impact across helping people be employed and communities prospering, especially in the Delta. And so what I started doing is any opportunity that was thrown my way, whether I understood it or not, or whether I was fully qualified at the time or not, I figured if that was where I was meant to end up and that was part of the goal as long as it was always in line with developing the Mississippi Delta and the state of Mississippi, whatever door opened next, I just jumped through it and I trusted. Yeah. So you're just willing to say yes. Yeah. I mean, I I had, I I was willing to say yes. I mean, you know, and and the opportunity, it sounds glamorous, but it was not always glamorous. It's a lot of hard work. You were scared, I'm sure. Yeah, I was scared. There were days that it seemed glamorous. But there were days where I had on blue jeans and a T-shirt and work boots managing construction crews and, you know, making sure light fixtures were placed in the right place. And we had the right right number of sink faucets ordered. Right. And, you know, in order to get to the glamour, <laughs> the open up a hotel, you've actually got to clean that hotel out. Um, the existing hotel, the ones that we renovated, because we renovated some, we didn't always build new ones. And there's a lot of manual labor and coordination that goes into that, and that's not the glamour part of the job. And unfortunately, not everybody's willing to roll their sleeves up and do that kind of thing. And those were skills that my dad taught me on the farm. In order right. to, to prosper at the end, you've got to be willing to do the the work that it takes to then enjoy the success. So I don't get to see you as often as I'd like to because there is physical distance between Starkville and Greenwood. But when we did get to hang out at football tailgates, I, I'm just always so anxious to hear, like, tell me more. I mean, you just live this exciting life, and I want to hear about your next pursuit. And one of the things that you brought up this past fall was potentially running for Senate. I mean, all that makes so much sense to me. So is running for Senate still on the table? It definitely is. But, but the unique thing about me, and you can tell that I really have been okay with trusting the process in my career, in my life, where I've ended up, you know, the, the true calling, whether it's Senate or Lieutenant Governor or local elected office or serving on a business-related board for the state of Mississippi, I'm not so tied into just Senate. I really want to sit back. I want to continue to grow and develop my skills. And I really want to, much like my career, seek the doors that open before me, and I will know when that clear path is there. You know, I, I say that Senate would be a great one. I'm real invested in the Delta. That would be a way for me to serve at the state level, but also be an advocate for the area that I live in and continue down that path. But I truly am open 
to looking at the opportunities that are presented to me to serve publicly in my community and the state of Mississippi. That's mm-hmm. super wise. That's really wise. What does, um, so JT is your husband. What does he think about all this? <laughs> JT was the perfect person to, to be my partner. You know, again, I, another part of the plan. And JT is very involved in community himself. Yeah. We actually met in the local Greenwood, Mississippi leadership class. Um, so from the beginning, we were both involved in the community and, and met through that. We're both from, you know, Mississippi Delta Farm families. Both went to Mississippi State University and had just never met. So we had a lot of similarities. JT, absolutely 100%, is perfectly comfortable walking by my side and supporting a female business woman. You know, a lot of people are not confident in that. And what is so unique about him is he is successful in his own career. He sure is. Uh, you know, right. he's in, in the banking industry and is the leader of his bank branch here in Greenwood. And, you know, so he has his own career path, but yet he absolutely loves the fact that I'm career-oriented and he supports that in every way, whether it's being there by my side at the next meeting in Jackson representing the company or being a part of Leadership Mississippi activities that I'm involved in, being a part of company activities, supporting late-night phone calls, strategy sessions with my board of directors, whatever. Unfortunately, my subpar recording link failed me right at the end as I was thanking Shelly for reminding us to make a choice to see life's roadblocks as building blocks instead of obstacles. Then, of course, we got all mushy talking about the kindness shown to us at that first MOPS meeting and how it's led our souls to just brewing over to serve others with our talents. Another thing that Shelly brought my attention to right before signing off was the fact that we came into our friendship with completely different motivations and even now have completely different aspirations in life. But that did not stop us then, and it's not going to stop us now for pursuing each other and encouraging each other in all the good that we both have going on. So I just want to encourage you to be brave enough to reach your hand out in friendship to someone that may be different than you. And you might just get lucky enough to find yourself a Shelly Walker. So until next time, keep the honey flowing.